For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up. Visit a unique support group for people living with aphasia that has reinvented itself in the age of social distancing. And an essay about what a year without a public Juneteenth gathering means for people of color and their allies. Those stories are coming up next on Arizona Spotlight. June is National Aphasia Awareness Month. Aphasia is a condition that often eludes awareness because it can make those living with it literally silent. There's a group in Tucson that offers support and therapy for those living with aphasia. Next, we'll hear how, in the age of social distancing, they are taking a new approach to their twice-weekly meetings. Here is Dr. Fabi Hirsch, the director of the Aphasia Center of Tucson. So aphasia is the loss of the ability to speak or understand or read or write because of an injury to the brain. Initially, I was really worried about our group members with the pandemic that there would be an extra level of isolation. And so we moved very quickly to be able to offer something that would still allow our group members to participate, communicate within our groups, even though we couldn't get together in person. We started our online groups via Zoom within a week or two of not being able to meet any longer at the Aphasia Center. And it has certainly had its moments where it's been a learning curve for all of us, me included, maybe me even the most, but we have such a close-knit community and everyone is so supportive already of one another and their communication difficulties. So we're all very supportive of our own technological difficulties during this time too. Well, and that's one of the first things that I observed the first time I got to meet your group years ago, and that is that you head frustration off at the pass with laughter. When it's a problem getting out a word or putting together a phrase, everyone's there listening, hanging on every word, and also being supportive of every word. Yes, I think that is one reason why people continue to participate in the Aphasia Center. They build relationships, they build trust, they learn to be very patient with one another, and they understand what everyone's going through. Whereas at home, somebody may jump in to help them out with a word that's a struggle. Here, everyone gives the group members time to really try to get to those words. And then when we have successes, we are the biggest cheerleaders. It's all very, very supportive and 
just a, a beautiful community focus. Aphasia is most typically caused, from my understanding, with accidents, uh, head injuries, and strokes. Yeah, stroke primarily. So over 80% of individuals who are living with aphasia have it as a result of a stroke. I'm always struck by just how young our group members are. We have members right now from their 30s all the way up to their 90s, but we have a a large number of people who are 50 and younger, and we've, we've had people in their 20s participate before. Is there any kind of typical roadmap that you can give of how a person progresses through the different stages of healing or of at least being able to resume a, a full life? Everyone's response to aphasia is very different. It depends on the location of the injury in the brain. It depends on the size of the injury or stroke. And so we have people living with aphasia who just struggle once in a while with coming up with the right word, all the way to people who struggle to get a single word out. So people are very different in how they are living with aphasia. One thing, though, that unites them all is that they can continue to make progress. And we have seen it over months and years where people continue to make progress. And that's really why we do what we do, because we know that with the right support, with the practice, people can continue to make gains over their lifetimes. Now here's an example of what the group's Zoom meetings are like. Assistant producer Alisa and I were invited to attend. Dr. Hirsch asked some of the members to introduce themselves and to answer a couple of basic questions about the reality of living with aphasia. Okay, so we are currently recording. So Kathleen, can I start with you? What does the aphasia center mean to you? The center means um, it, everybody's fine about you being uh, having aphasia. You uh, are not judged as stupid or disabled or I know that there's a real person inside. I um, acquired aphasia by um, through a, through an auto accident and and a uh, a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Hi, my name is Gary Oberlin. I live in Matlache, Florida now. A long time ago, Bobby helped me there a long time ago, and I absolutely loved it there to teach me. So that's been one of the benefits of being able to hold our groups on Zoom is when Gary lived here in Tucson, part of our aphasia groups, but then he moved to Florida. And we just reconnected and I invited him to join us and he's been a great member of our groups ever since. So we're excited to have you here, Gary. All right, Mark, Mark W, I have you next. Yes, yes, I can see myself. I'm a client, my stroke happened about Five years ago, at, uh, and uh, 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 I'm doing this. 
<laughs> Love having you here, Mark. Yes. Rona. Hi. All right, Amy, I have you next. Hi, I'm Amy. I had a car accident two summers ago, which led to a stroke and my aphasia. Turning Bear, you're next. Would you like to introduce yourself? Okay. My name is Turning Bear. I am young and he stoke and yes still go. Two strokes. Two strokes. Okay. Turning Bear is an artist. He was sharing with us this morning. He just did his first piece transitioning from using his right hand to his left hand. So we're excited. All right, mm. Manny, you're next on the list. Manny, uh, ten, uh, uh, I stroke. So you had your stroke 10 years ago? Yes, yeah. Do you have any projects, Manny, you're working it, on right now? Uh, yes, yes, uh, uh, your walking sticks? Yes, yes. Oh, oh, do you have yes. one there you can show us? Yes. That'd be great. This is one of the benefits of people being at home. So here is our first question. And this is turned out this morning to be tricky, but I am very curious to see how everybody responds to this one. How would you describe aphasia in one word? From Rona, I see devastating. Mm -hmm. Forgiving problem only happens when I talk. I mm -hmm. can uh, follow everything. Can you still read easily, Mark? I, I can read uh, better than I can. Yes. Uh, yeah. My memory. It goes away. Rona was suggesting you were trying to get at that you can read better than you can talk. Yeah. Yes. Sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of head nodding here. It um, takes a lot of brain focus to get to communicate. Yeah. 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 Something I think we all just take for granted mm -hmm. until until it becomes hard. So it's, it's so frustrating. Scary. Scary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Problems. It can be a lot of different things that you can't get it work. I did this before, but it's the language center of the brain that is a problem. Rona wrote, people think I'm deaf yes. because I use my phone to communicate. Because Rona will type her message and then hold it up to show people. Can I share your story a little bit yeah. about mm -hmm. your daughter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Rona's daughter was 
driving and she didn't have her headlights on. And so a police officer pulled her over. She's young. And the police officer needed Rona's permission for her daughter to go home with her boyfriend's mom. Rona's daughter said, well, my mom has aphasia and can't talk on the phone. He didn't know what aphasia was and thought she was just trying to kind of pull one over on him and get away. Yes, so this is you know, a struggle yeah. that we're, we're living with. We just don't have enough people who know what aphasia is. What do you want other people to know about aphasia? Give me some time. Give me some time. Notice me. I'm a person here. Yeah. And um, give me some time, but notice me and listen to me. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, yeah. Amy. Yes. The yeah. first time that I came, um, I wasn't talking at all and was scary, but going out to the center around people, I was so scared and I cried and pe seeing people like, like me and I felt, oh, lifesaver forcing myself to talk to people is my strategy that's scary <laughs> with time it has helped me a lot i i have been uh, struggling for less time than people have here and um i think that it would be helpful to force myself to speak to to people um and i can't say that that i have but it would be helpful so turning bear you draw when you want to get your message across sometimes you use drawing yes yeah and we encourage a lot of our group members especially who have very few words can get quite a bit of information across by drawing and it doesn't have to be fabulous drawing. You can do a lot through drawing and gestures and writing even the first letter. It's a lot of great ways to communicate and that's one thing that everybody learns from each other at the center. They might see Turning Bear drawing or Manny also does a lot of great drawing to communicate. And then other people see that and go, oh, I didn't even think to do that. And then they start doing it. So it's a really good opportunity for people to learn from one another. We heard the voices of Kathleen, Gary, Mark, Rona, Amy, Turning Bear, and Manny. All are members of the Aphasia Center of Tucson. Because aphasia is such a little-known condition, I asked Dr. Hirsch to explain what she hopes this Awareness Month can do to change the stigma that surrounds it. The most important thing is for us to increase awareness and understanding about aphasia so that our community in general can be much more aphasia friendly. So anyone listening today, now knowing what aphasia is, go out there, tell one more person 
about aphasia. Just those small person-by-person communications about aphasia and the struggles of aphasia and the aphasia center can go such a long way in turning our community into a place where people who have aphasia can really communicate successfully and thrive. The number of people living with this disorder and the number of people who actually take part in groups like yours, there's a big disparity between those two. There is a huge disparity between the number of individuals who we estimate are living with aphasia here in Pima County. We estimate over 6,000 people living with aphasia based on national estimates versus the folks who we see in our aphasia groups, which is about 30 individuals. Unfortunately, as hard as we try to get our information out there, we still have many folks who just don't even learn about us um, from their hospital stay or their rehabilitation centers. And so we continue to make our efforts, and that's really falling on us to make a bigger effort to get the word out there about who we are and what we do. We are only one of a handful of aphasia centers in the country, and to have this available in our community can be such a benefit for somebody living with aphasia. There was a member of your group that I met who actually worked in translation, both before and after having aphasia, uh, translating women's poetry from Iraq. Yes, and she had a beautiful proverb that suggested that a river is made drop by drop and that her communication skills we're returning in that same way, slowly, drop by drop, but we're building up to provide a real river of communication for her. And I think that also fits nicely in how we can turn our larger community into a river of knowledge and understanding about aphasia, drop by drop, person by person, Tucsonan by Tucsonan make a river of change, and Tucson will be the most aphasia-friendly and knowledgeable city in the U.S. Dr. Hirsch says that the group will continue to hold their meetings online, which makes them available to people around the world. The Aphasia Center is now also offering some services in Spanish. There are more stories about aphasia, links to contact the group, and the Friends of Aphasia, if you or someone you know would like to join. It's all on the Arizona Spotlight page at azpm.org. In a world without COVID-19, this month would have included the 50th official Tucson gathering in recognition of Juneteenth. Andres Portela from Sierra Vista says it's something that Black Americans often have to explain. 
In his words, Juneteenth is a celebration of the end of slavery, which occurred on June 19, 1865, two years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. White slave owners had moved thousands of slaves to the most remote parts of Texas, with the intent of avoiding the Union Army and keeping them as slaves after the Civil War. These black people still carried the weight of the U.S. economy through forced labor. Juneteenth marks the day when these last slaves heard the news that they were free. Next, Andres Portela tells us what this year without a public Juneteenth gathering can mean for us all. 2020 has been the year of COVID-19, wild tweets, and our collective Black fed upness. With social distancing, canceling in-person plans, Juneteenth is going to be hard to focus on, but it's a teachable moment for allies. Growing up in Sierra Vista, there weren't a ton of events focused on Black community or culture, but Juneteenth was the exception. Juneteenth in Sierra Vista was the biggest party in the park, where all walks of life celebrated the end of slavery. It blended both traditional African experiences that were stolen from us and the resistance foods we created to feed our workforce. We occasionally celebrated with the Tucson Juneteenth organizers, and it was an opportunity to connect with new family members. This holiday allows us to truly see each other beyond our jobs and the normal head nods all Black people do to acknowledge each other, to let us know we see you. The celebration of Juneteenth was birthed in Black churches and has grown beyond those walls and recognized by 46 states as a holiday. Arizona is one. In Tucson, we celebrate the contributions of Black engineers and creators, the exploration of culture through Black Renaissance and the soulful singings of local churches, and the contributions and life of our LGBT plus community. To the collective 4% of Black Tucsonans, this event gives us energy to stop deferring dreams. Juneteenth is our 4th of July. It's our cookout in the park, our Black Coachella, our Disneyland with no rides, but it's also our Memorial Day. We memorialize sun-kissed cocoa skin that drove economies, mothered children, and fell victim to brutality. Juneteenth is the elevator that moves us above our collective mourning as we see Rodney King-style violence play out on a repetitive 24-hour news cycle to the pride and jubilance of celebrating us. This day is our warm bowl of grits that nourishes us back to Black History Month. The 2020 Juneteenth Festival will mark 50 years of celebrating here in the desert. The only difference this year, Black Americans across the nation are breathing a collective sigh. This sigh comes after watching the news, our collective mourning, and the unanswered text messages from allies. Allies, Juneteenth is for you. I'm not saying you can take the holiday, but what I am saying, it's time for you to share in the emotional labor with us. As we know, in the United States, the assumption of freedom and justice have always been delayed for African Americans. Juneteenth was our step towards these American sentiments. It's time for Juneteenth to be important to more than just Black folks. Every June, I have to explain to allies why Juneteenth is just so important. But for us to grapple with the legacy of slavery, there has to be a moment of collective understanding. To me, Juneteenth is my childhood. It sounds cliche, but it's that smile you get after drinking Southern sweet tea 
It's the fullness of mac and cheese my mom would make for the potluck. It's the smell of sunscreen because from sunup to sundown, we were outside. It's more than just an event. It's a feeling. It's healing. But it's not my or your Black friend's responsibility to educate you. Talk to the allies. An ally is someone who makes the commitment and effort to recognizing their privilege based on gender, class, race, sexual identity, and works in solidarity with oppressed groups in the struggle for justice. Allies understand it is in their best interest to end all forms of oppression, even those they may benefit from in concrete ways. So as we approach Juneteenth, allies, it's your turn this year. Educate your friends, family, and co-workers. The emotional labor that generally is left for African Americans to convince non-allies that Black lives actually matter is no longer the responsibility of Black Americans. Call your aunts and uncles, moms and dads, friends on Facebook that posted Black squares and have a conversation about Black death. Have the conversation with them about what it would feel like to be stalked while running, gunned down for playing with toy guns as a kid, walking to the corner store to buy some tea and some Skittles, getting shot in your own home during a no-knock raid. It's the conversations with your doctor and telling them something wrong and them telling you you're being dramatic. These are just a few circumstances where being black can cost you your life. So Juneteenth is here. You've helped our protests. You've walked, chanted, and took photos for your social media. It's time for you to help by not forcing us to answer questions about our collective mourning so we can celebrate our freedom and life. Artist and organizer Andres Portela works for the city of Tucson in Ward 1 as a policy and community development advisor. You can watch a recent TEDx Tucson talk that he gave on the Arizona Spotlight page at azpm.org. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. This show originates from the AZPM radio studios. AZPM's interim news director is Duncan Moon. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. The assistant producer is Elisa Ivanitskaya. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.